Thank you for uh, welcoming my wife and I. I'm not sure where she's sitting now. Okay, there you are. Thank you for welcoming us to your, uh, to your home, our home, because we're all part of the same family, but it's, we felt welcome here. And we've been eating with you, by the way, sometime, you know, beforehand, which I think is awesome, coming here and get a meal before. And uh, what a powerful um, time it is to be in prayer and praise. Um, I just, <laughs> each one of those worship songs are so powerful. And I was thinking, oh man, just lining right up, right up to some of the message uh, that we're gonna cover today. Um, you made a way. Um, I was very powerful. I think Sam and I were both moved by that because uh, he definitely made a way for us to be here. And we praise the Lord for that. Uh, we're gonna jump right in. But before we do, um, for those that weren't here last week, we got into the book of Philemon. <clears throat> and we kind of covered some principles of right relationships, okay? And specifically in dealing with conflict management, because any relationship that you and I have, conflict. It's gonna be conflict. There's no perfect relationship that, that you're never gonna have some kind of disagreement, outright fight, or even to the point where you're, you're broke and you go your separate ways, and maybe you, you're in the middle of that right now. Uh, so we covered a few things, but I have to ask for those that were here last week, how's your week been so far? Yeah, has it? I mean, but after the message, did you get it all figured out? All your relationships are... I tell you what, um, my wife and I were talking about that. I got hit in the spiritual package, so to speak, uh, like right after that. Um, and I wasn't ready for it. You know, I'm up here, hey, this is how it goes. And then I get punched in the tooth, uh, spiritually speaking, uh, because we had a number of conflicts. And I'm like, hey practice what you preach, right? And, and, but it was good because this is just as good for me uh, to go over this because I immediately got, got hit with it. So, um, and, and to me, I think our life is much like a, um, a snow globe. Um, you, know, you know, I'm talking about a snow globe. It's the little thing that you shake and then, it, it, oh, it's pretty. Um, but I think we like our lives to be the unshucken uh, snow globe where it's all settled, it's calm but then God has a way of going ding, 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 and then it's, and then we're like, I don't like this, it's beautiful. No, it doesn't feel that way when you're in it, but that's conflict, right? Um, so Philemon, and, and just to recap what we covered, Philemon's this really tiny book, one of the last of the Pauline epistles specifically written, and it's unique because it's written really to one individual about a very specific issue. Right, this conflict between Philemon, who is a, um, a leader in the church of Colossae, and um, a servant that he had, a slave that he had that had run away. And um, Paul meets this slave and he gets saved with Paul's, um, uh, with guidance and leading him to the Lord. And we remember we talked about this book, this little letter has been preserved, right? God's inspired his word, he's preserved it, and we have it today. And you have to ask, why is it there? And uh, we talked about how also that it doesn't, it's the only letter of Paul where you don't really see the gospel laid out, right? The good news of Jesus Christ. And you're like, why is that? Well, it's because it's a practical application of the gospel in our lives, right? We talked about this. You don't just receive the gospel, you live in it, right? The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ represents for you and I, what? We die to self and then we're risen in the new life of Jesus Christ. And we do that every day. That's why Paul says, I die daily. Why? Because if he doesn't, 
conflict. And Paul lived in a world of conflict. I mean, his own people were trying to kill him. Everywhere he went, they were trying to kill him. He had conflicts with churches. You remember his, his statement about all these things that happened to him. I was whipped, I was drowned, I was shipwrecked, I was all these things. And on top of all that, the care of all the churches, right? Because it was conflict all the time. So how, did he, how do you live in that environment? This small little epistle helps us see his approach. And really, God, I really believe he's inspired and preserved us to teach us about how to deal with conflict and, and maintain right relationships. Because believe me, it is not easy. We all live in these worlds. You probably have, you might have conflicts going on right now. You likely do with family, maybe spouses, maybe coworkers, could be in this church itself. Um, how do we deal with that? And so we, we covered a, just three principles at the very beginning. We're gonna do a quick recap and we're gonna jump into the next three. Um, the first thing is we need to learn to confront conflict. That's what Paul is doing with this letter. He's addressing it. He could easily bury his head. He could walk away. He could say, you know what? It doesn't matter. God will, let God do it. I don't, I'm not worried about it. No, Paul knew that he was saved for a purpose, and he was given what? The word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. And with that, he took it personal. Like, I need to do this. I need to be a part of this reconciliation, even in the body of Christ. It, it was, again, he was definitely giving the gospel out, but he was also doing his best to reconcile in the body of Christ. Think about that. Because we don't think about, it. We, we, I know we preach reconciliation in the context of 2 Corinthians, it's definitely about reaching the lost world, but even in the body of Christ, it is something we need to do. Do you remember Ephesians 4, one through three? Endeavoring to keep the unity. It's an endeavor. It isn't uh, necessarily an arrival, it's an endeavor. You know, in other words, every day that you and I are here, we should be endeavoring to do that because we will have to endeavor to keep it. It just doesn't happen it just happened naturally. We show up to church, we praise and we pray. We have to be engaged in that. Actively, the keeping is a defensive thing. I gotta defend this, I'm gonna get attacked. I need to do my part and Paul does that. The second thing we saw was to use your arsenal, okay? And what we mean by that was he starts off like he does his normal prayers with grace and peace and prayers and you know, and we go blah, 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 it's so important that we don't forget that. Paul is going to need to relay this to Philemon because this is gonna be the basis for everything that's gonna, we're gonna talk about tonight. Without grace, without the peace of God, without us praying for this, well, we're in trouble. Like if we just go in, because I got trained on the nine steps of how to do conflict management, is that gonna solve it? If we don't have God's supernatural intervention, is that gonna deal with it? No. And then finally, we, the last principle we talked about was building bridges, not barriers. And in this particular thing, this was, um, uh, again, uh, barriers would be me stumbling in there uh, versus actually being uh, doing outreach as a representative of the Lord, okay? And that's kind of where we finished. And, and I wanna just say one thing before we get into what we're gonna get into, because we can really get into the meat of Philemon and the request. He's finally gonna get to the request for Philemon. Um, you know how, realize how difficult this would have been for both Onesimus, the runaway slave, and Philemon. How difficult this would have been. We, we look at it today and we think, do you guys have a problem? Get over it, get it figured out. Keep in mind, Onesimus was a runaway slave who not just ran away, like ran away robbing goods from his master, okay? Um, Paul, in sending him back, you imagine the trust that Onesimus had to have for that? 
He could have been killed, justifiably killed as a runaway slave. It was in the hands of the, the owner to do that, okay? And then how hard it was for, Anissim, or for Philemon. Well, why is it so hard to take him back? It's because he's just been uh, severely, like, in front of everyone. He's a leader, but this is someone that has left him and took something from him. Now he's back. Could you imagine, uh, put yourself in that position. If you've ever been done wrong, do you immediately respond with grace? Is that your natural reaction when you've been done wrong? I will say this because I, I, I even got tested today about my first reaction to conflict. Um, I was getting, getting gas today and for some reason the place I was going, all the pumps were shut down. So I had to go to another place that had less pumps and there were cars all over the place. You know, have you ever been to those places like Quick Trip? It's like a beehive, and the cars are buzzing. People are waiting, jockeying position. Are they, what, what size is my tank on? You know, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm waiting there, patiently waiting, and there's two cars lined up, and I'm like, which one's gonna move first? And I don't know the protocol. Do I wait for both cars to go ahead, or if that one moves, the he- do I go zip ahead? So anyway, the car in front got done, moved ahead, so I zipped in there, and I didn't know, I didn't see the truck was done too, but apparently they didn't like my maneuver. I think they wanted to make sure. So they were, as he pulled out with really close to me and I got out to do the gas, he gave me the old stink eye. You ever get the stink eye? You know, kind of like he could just drive on, but he was like. <laughs> you know, my first reaction was, yeah, what you got? <laughs> What's your problem, Knobtown? I mean, and my first fleshly reaction, was it grace? Like, I am sorry, kind sir. I did not know that you were getting ready. And I'm, you know, how can you explain that as he's driving off? I was trying to, anyway, but that's the conflict, right? We get offended so easily. And this was more than that. This was a, very, a leader in a church and he had been done wrong. It was in, within his power, under the law, to do him a judgment that would have been very harsh. So this is how hard it is for these two. Now I wanna talk about one thing as we get into point four. And go ahead and pull that up. Um, number four principle, seek and seek souls for success. And I say that because I wanna address the elephant in the room um, because it comes up a lot of times in Philemon. Why didn't Paul address the slavery issue? Why didn't he address slavery? Like, uh, uh, like why didn't he tell Philemon this is wrong? And I want to address that because Paul is getting to the real root of the matter that, man, we could learn a lot about today because there's a lot of injustice today, right? And there's a lot of push for social justice today. But the one thing that Paul is addressing here is that we have a real enemy, a true enemy, right? And yes, society is horrible and it treats people badly and people treat people badly and there's people in power that manipulate other things but Paul is more concerned about one thing and it's the souls of men and women and he realizes that if kingdoms will change souls must transform and I say that because on this level he is trying to get Philemon to see something very important he's trying to get Philemon to see a new brother he has led, now think about this, he has just led Onesimus to the Lord. And he is sending him back to him and he wants him to understand something. This is no longer your property, okay? This is a person 
This is no longer a slave, this is a what? A son. He actually calls them that in this passage. If you, if you turn to Philemon, or you can look it up on the board in, in verse 10, he says, I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus. Now I want you to see this because in this terms of, of dealing with conflict, Paul is wanting to reach hearts and minds. I'm gonna be saying that a couple times here, hearts and minds. You've probably heard that before, haven't you? Does anyone know where you've heard that before? Vietnam War, Iraq War, different wars. It's a military term. It means when we go in there, and we might be pounding a country militarily, but we need to somehow capture their hearts. Doesn't that sound kind of weird? We're gonna pound you, and then we're gonna love you. Does that work? But there, there is a strategy to that because it's like we can't just go in there and just destroy a country and say, we're done here. Here's some democracy. How's that going for you? We need to build a relationship with them so that what? Peace is sustainable. So the concept is right. Has it worked for us very well? Not very well. Not because I think the idea has to be spiritual, has to be supernatural. And so what Paul is doing here, he's trying to capture the heart of Philemon, his heart and his mind, because he wants him to buy into this. Otherwise, this will not last, okay? He says in, um, in verse 10, I beseech thee for my son. Now, right away, he's saying, this is not just any old guy. This is not a runaway slave. He's my son now. Now, that is a powerful thing for him to start contemplating. Whom I have begotten in my bonds, he says, which in time past to thee was unprofitable, but now profitable. And again, I don't know if he was a good worker or a bad worker, but he definitely was a, he no longer was working. But he's saying he has value now. And what value is that? Well, he'll work harder now for you. He'll produce twice as much. He's a soul. That's the value. Now, he may have been unprofitable before, but he is a profitable person because he now has the Holy Spirit within him. You see how he's, he's addressing this? Because you know what? I guarantee you, conflict would resolve itself if we would see people as souls. Precious, eternal souls. You know what I do? I don't see some, when I get into a conflict, I don't think of them as a soul, naturally. I think of them as an opponent, an obstacle, someone to overcome, someone to defeat in my arguments or physically or whatever it is. That's how we treat people. We don't, if we saw them as souls, we would deal with them like delicate, like a, like a china, a precious vase. We'd be like, man, this is a soul. I have to be very careful. And I'm trying to relay that to Philemon. That's what Paul's doing here. It's a masterful approach what he's doing. He actually says uh, in verse 12, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him that is mine own bowels. Now that, I'm sure you've been taught here what that means, but just in case, uh, my bowels is to say my heart. It's a seat of emotion in a Middle Eastern culture for the Jewish culture. My own bowels would be my heart. Now we don't say that today. I never got a Hallmark card that says, my bowels yearn for thee, or something like that. If you did, there'd be a problem, but it literally is your innards, okay? It's their seat of emotion, and it's their hearts, okay? And he says, this is, this is my very heart that you would receive him. This is my heart, and I want your heart to be my heart. See what he's doing? He's trying to capture Philemon's heart. Not, again, Paul could easily have told him what to do. He's an apostle, and we'll get to this later. He could have easily said, I want you to do this. You'll do this, right? What did I say? Are you gonna do what I'm gonna say? No, but 
to make this sustainable. And I say that because in conflict, what we typically do, and we, sometimes this happens as parents, right? The kids are fighting, they're at each other's throats. I'll stop that, you two. Now they'll shake hands, hug it out. You know how kids, after a conflict, hug it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're doing it, why? Because you told them to, you command it, but is their heart in it? I hate, you know, it's not, is that sustainable? You've got to win the hearts and the minds, and so Paul is trying to get him to see he's different. He's a new creature, and he's my own bowels, my own heart. I led him to the Lord, and he says, whom I would have retained with me, that in my stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel, but, think of this, without thy mind, I would do nothing. And this is the key, if we go to the next slide, here's some points I want us to think about in terms of conflict management. Are lives or souls better or worse in your wake? And this is tough because when I'm around folks, am I seeing them as souls? Are they better in my, in my wake? And what I mean by my wake, in my, anytime I've come in contact with them, am I ministering, am I being a representative ambassador of the gospel? This is Paul's thing. When he ran into Onesimus, it was the gospel. And it wasn't just, now you're saved, good luck. He knew restoration had to happen. And so he's not just wanting to fix his eternal destination, he's trying to fix this, both of their walks with the Lord, because there's still a schism in the body. And as we said last time, if there's a problem between two brothers, there's a problem in the body. And that affects all of us, by the way. You and I, we're part of the body. If there's a problem with your foot, you feel that, don't you? There's a problem in the body. So if you take that mentality, you go, I need to help this. I need to be a part of that. How can I do this? But I'm gonna do it in such a way that's sustainable, okay? So endeavor to win hearts and minds, okay? And, and what does that mean? It, it means this last point, the how is just as, as vital as the what, how you do it. And we go back to the very beginning. Are you using your arsenal? Are you trusting in God? Are you allowing him to do a work in that? And then no, the other thing is, are you pushing your faith? Or are you facilitating faith? That's a big difference. And man, we can do that. We have Bible, the Bible, we can push the Bible. Hey, what the Bible says, you need to, so what are you gonna do? And they may feel pressured. I love the testimony night about baptism. She was what? Before, you gotta get, get baptized. Okay, versus I want to, I want to, be, I want to follow the Lord. You see how sustainable that is? You see the joy in the face? This is going to last. The same thing goes with conflict. When you want it resolved, you want it resolved sustainable, okay? Very important, okay? So um, the verse that's here, I, I think it's really neat, um, is in uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now, the Corinthian church was a carnal church full of envy and strife and contention and conflict, even against Paul. You realize they were like, had accusations against Paul. Paul, the apostle, the, their father, basically, in the faith, and they had accusations against him. Yet Paul did what? He gave more. And I say that because it says up here, the third time, three trips, three letters, by the way, he invested so much in them, even though they, what? 
Seemed like they were against him. They had conflict with him, but he did not see that. Why? He, I love this phrase. For I seek not yours, but you. I see you, even though you, you're hating on me, I see you as a soul, as a precious soul. A soul that Christ bled and died for. And you know what? If it was you and me, we would have given up a long time the way they treated us. But there's something special about the way God does it. He doesn't give up. And I love that because later on Paul would say, in me first, a pattern of all long suffering. And he's talking about grace of God towards him. God didn't give up on Paul and he wanted to use his life to say that for others, including these Corinthians. So even in the circumstance with Philemon and Onesimus, as bad as it may have seemed, he had hope in the Lord to resolve it. Point five, see the celestial in the circumstances. And I apologize for the... Uh, alliteration, I I tend to do that, but it's just for me. Maybe it helps you, I don't know. But for me, it's important to to remember things, okay? But see the celestial in the circumstances. What, What I mean by that is, you and I can't physically see God, can we? If you have, probably needed some counseling. Like if you've physically seen God, we need to talk, come forward later. But um, we can, let me ask you this, can you see his latent fingerprints? Now, I, again, I'm in criminal justice, so a latent fingerprint is, it's there, we can't see it, but it's there. Does that make sense? And the crime, you guys watch crime shows, right? There's fingerprints there, and they put a little powder on it, and they lift it up. It's, it's there, we can't see it, but we're able to pull that out. This is what is God's working. Hebrews 11 talks about this. It's the evidence of things not seen. Do you believe that God's involved in conflict? And a lot of us say, no, God's not involved in conflict. I guarantee you he gets into conflict for one purpose, the ministry of reconciliation, for restoration. And I say that because I really believe in these verses in 15 and 16, Paul is pointing to Philemon to the possibility of what God is doing here or what God had already done. Because right away, the first thing I'm sure Philemon thought was what? I've been done dirty, this guy did me wrong and I need restitution. How are we gonna fix this? So Paul points to Perhaps God had a plan in this. Now again, we all agree, and may agree, maybe you disagree, maybe like, yeah, he should have ran away, but he took goods, and under the law, the Roman law, he was guilty. So he made a, a poor choice, a bad decision to do that, but Paul says in verse 15, he goes, hmm, for perhaps... He therefore, talking about Onesimus, therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. He says, you know what, I wonder if him leaving, it's because, I don't know, maybe God had to put him in, a, in the right position. Like a prodigal son when he's off somewhere in some pit somewhere with the pigs and he suddenly comes to the realization of a need, a spiritual need. And it just so happened that he ran into Paul at that time and got saved, and perhaps it was God's own work that led him there, even if it was a bad decision, God was in the middle of that conflict to do what? To restore and reconcile. Hmm, I wonder, could that be? I, this is kinda how he's saying, I, perhaps this is what happened here. But not, not that now, he's, as he says, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved. He's no longer a slave. He's a brother, a beloved brother. Your brother, by the way. Now think about that relationship dynamic that changed like that. Now again, you could say, well, how come Philemon didn't lead him to the Lord? Well, we don't know Onesimus was ready. 
But Paul sees God in the circumstances. He wasn't ready. Somehow he got ready and he was right in front of me and boom, divine appointment. But now he's ready to come back if you'll receive him. And this is why he says, without thy mind, I need you to do this by faith. This is what Paul is pointing to. He says, you've got to see God working in this because now he's gonna draw Philemon into the, to the resolution of this conflict. God can work in the midst of conflict. Hey, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've made some poor decisions in my life. Um, you know, I've, I've made decisions to, uh, with, I've talked about it last time we met, about to withdraw, to not be engaged with the larger body of Christ. It was a poor decision, but you know what? God was still faithful. I, I praise the Lord for the song we had earlier. I don't know how he did it, but he did. I wasn't even looking for it, and he made a way. How did he do that? It wasn't because of me, it wasn't like, well, when I get my life right, then I'll get it all figured out. No, he made a way for me to get back engaged with this, and why is that? Because God works even in conflict. And and I hope, I pray that you have hope in that. You have conflicts now that you're probably wary of or you don't think it's ever gonna come to, to be fixed, I'm praying that you will see hope in that is that God can work in the circumstances of those conflicts. There is purpose behind our problems. Remember that God is relentless and always at work. Genesis 1-3, the Holy Spirit starts moving, he never stops, never stops. Even today, he's moving. He's churning, he's moving, and he's doing that work of restoration and reconciliation. And finally, to see celestial in the circumstances, it's really to start choosing eternal gain over temporal loss. You know what, Philemon lost some temporal goods. I don't know if he took a bag of flour, a bag of gold, temporal things. What he gained was a brother. You have to start seeing eternal gain, because then I I don't have to win an argument in the conflict. I wanna win a brother or a sister. That's all that matters, isn't it? We get offended by so many petty things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Paul's trying to resolve that conflict by getting our eyes on the eternal and seeing God at work. It says in Romans eleven thirty three, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and what he does. I mean, we, we praise him like, how did you do that? And then it says, and his ways pass fine and out. I really look at this as his judgments are what he does and his ways are how he does it. That's why I love that song earlier. Don't know how you did it, but you did. That's the Lord. Man, we read about Old Testament miracles, but we miss out on the New Testament ones in our own lives. Man, I need to slow down and observe God in the process. You realize that, that verse about in everything give thanks? And it hit me, because I'm a slow learner. I don't know if it's because I got an Arkansas education or what, but um, in everything, give thanks. In conflict, give thanks. You know, I really have to stop, slow down, and be thanking the Lord in the conflict. I don't know if you do. I, I, I don't. I'm going to be honest with you. I, a lot of times, I'm too focused on the conflict. The emotions, right? We get our testosterone, and we get our adrenaline going, and then we, we stop, slow down, and go, Lord, what are you doing here? How can you 
show yourself strong and, and do something here. We're gonna cover one last point tonight. Credibility can be key. If you look at verses 17 through 19, Paul says some interesting things because he realizes that it's gonna maybe need a little bit more for Philemon to buy in to this. And um, he says in verse 17 through 19, he says, if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit I do not say that uh, to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. You know, it's amazing. I, who can say this, by the way? I mean, we could, well, Apostle Paul can, but can you say that? Right? I mean, would anyone believe you? I know for me, it's like, who are you? Why, why would I believe you? How credible are you? Why should anyone listen to you? Paul can say this because he's had a testimony. And I say that because it's important in, in conflict management that when you go in there to, to solve it, there needs to be some um, meat on the bones. And what I mean by that, there needs to be some walk that you have that has worth. Because if you have a, um, a, 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 an inconsistent testimony, um, it becomes a problem because they're like, why should I trust in you and your word? Credibility can be key, and I say that because God is, is credible, God is faithful. I'm not faithful, but he is. But Paul has is said it in such a way that I am willing to, I want you to receive him as me. In other words, you respect me? Yes. Do you honor me? Yes. He is, think of him as myself. Receive him as myself. That's powerful, is it not? I mean, the, the fact that he says, put it on my account. You guys ever walk into a restaurant? I mean, we can walk down right now, I don't know, uh, Winstead's, is that still around? And if I said, eat my hamburger and my shake, and I go, put it on my account, do you think that's gonna fly? Probably not. But Paul had that kind of reputation. I'm good for it. I'm telling you, I will take care of this, but this is very important. This is how much he believes in it, his credibility. And what he's trying to do is relay that to, to use that as uh, for Philemon to make a decision based on faith, but knowing how important it is as well. Your walk has worth in resolution. It does in reconciliation. How you walk, because when people look at you, they're gonna go, yeah, but it's important that we have a good walk with the Lord. But here's the thing, our confidence comes from Christ. So we can't go in there cocky, and I'm saying that because when we say credibility, believe me, Paul could have used, I'm a super apostle, you should obey me, but he didn't. He knew that it had to come from Christ. He had his confidence in the Lord. He didn't turtle up either, he went forward. It wasn't a false humility, he was actually telling him the truth, right? I'm gonna pay that back, receive him. And be, this last point is be calm, and concern. What I mean by that is you don't want to be emotional, um, but you don't want to let them know you're very invested in their resolution. You care. And I'm saying that because I've, I've talked to a number of you. I have that too. There's relationships you have that are broken. Um, and I, I, in my own, I feel this burden because I feel like I just don't want that to be on me. The door is open. I'm, I'm gonna be calm, I'm not gonna be emotional, but I am concerned that I wanna fix this. I need the other person to know I want this fixed. This, this resolution isn't because it's gonna be because of me. 
And this is where you see Paul really showing his, I care so much deeply that this gets resolved. And this is a powerful thing as he, he's leading towards the end. It says in uh, John 13, 15, the Lord says this, for I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now in the context of that, he's washing the feet of his disciples. And you think about that. Here is the Lord, the master, all authority and power, and he becomes a humble servant. And he said that, the servant is no greater than the Lord. And think about it in the context of Philemon and Onesimus. Philemon had every power over Onesimus. But what he's saying is, the master, Christ himself washed the feet of his disciples. And he says, I want you to do this too. And then later on, you see what Paul would say, be ye followers of me as I also am of Christ. Man, that's what he's displaying to Philemon. Follow me as I follow Christ. What did Christ do? The master washed the feet of the servant. Here's the servant coming back to you. How are you gonna receive him? That's humility, right? And that's that credibility aspect. Paul could be credible because he lived it. He walked it. We're gonna finish with some prayer points tonight because we're gonna close in prayer and I probably went over a little bit, so sorry about that. Um, Could we be praying about these things? Am I actively seeing and seeking souls? I mean, literally, do I see people as souls? I know they have names. I love the the quote from C.S. Lewis. Um, He said this, he says, uh, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. That's who we really are, our souls. That's everybody in this world is a soul. Do I see them and am I seeking those souls, those hearts and minds? Am I viewing circumstances through eternal eyes? Do I see it as just things happen and man, it's always, you know, somebody hates me up there or that kind of thing or am I seeing God working even in those tough times? And finally, something to pray about our own selves. Am I blameless? How is my testimony before others? Am I facilitating faith? Am I forcing it? Am I exemplifying it? We're gonna go ahead and pray. I know I went over a little bit, but I think it is time that we maybe close and and pray in these points to see, is there something I need to do myself? Is there something outstanding that I owe someone? We're gonna go ahead and pray.